Hey, so excited to be with you this morning, wherever you're watching from, whether you're in your lounge with your family, or you're in bed, or you're outside watching in the sun. We are really excited for this morning. We're honored to be here. Um, I, as many of you will know, uh, run the youth here at Life Church Bath. So if you're watching and you're a young person, then shout out to you. Um, we miss you. We miss seeing you face to face, but we are excited that we're getting to do lots of online stuff and all of that. So we're excited for this morning. We're on this series of people and specifically in light of all these things, in light of all these things, what sort of people ought we to be? Uh, I love this. I love this little phrase that people say. They say that you are what you eat. And I think, you know, now more than ever in this time and in this situation that we're currently facing, what we feed ourselves upon is such an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the things that we feed upon, we become like. Uh, and, and I think now more than ever that, that there's a, uh, what I'm seeing is people forgetting who God is and who they are because they've stopped feeding upon the right thing. So me and Maria just want to share kind of our journey of this this morning. We're just so passionate about seeing uh, people come into alignment with their identity in Christ. We believe that that so much happens when we realize who God is and who we are. Um, so we're excited for this morning to, to, to go on that journey with you. I want to go, read from uh, John 6. So you can turn there uh, wherever you are, get your Bible out, put it on the coffee table, and let's go through this together. So in John 6... Um, it's the story of feeding the 5,000. And I, I want to talk a bit about the, the last part of that chapter. But at the start, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And after he does, it says that Jesus disappears from the crowd and he goes off into the mountains to, uh, to meet with God. And after that, the disciples get on their boat and they sail across the lake. Um, and we know the story. Jesus walks across the water and meets them in their boat. And it says that immediately they arrive to the other side. Um, and in the morning, the, the people wake up and, and Jesus is gone, the, the disciples are gone and suddenly they are trying to find them and they get word that Jesus is, is in this other place. So they go looking for him. And when they find Jesus uh, and the disciples, they ask him this question. They say, when did you get here, Jesus? And in true Jesus fashion, Jesus doesn't answer their question. He, he tells them, why they're there. He tells them why they came looking for him. He said, you didn't come and find me because you were hungry for the things of God, right? He said, you came to find me because I gave you some bread and some fish yesterday, right? And then he says, but, but hear me now that truly I tell you, um, don't work for the food that wastes away, for the food that spoils, for the food that is temporary, but work for the food that endures to eternal life, right? And I was reading this scripture and I just began to think about, you know, what that looks like to work for food that endures. You know, I I think every person has maybe a different uh, idea of what work looks like, but I think it's quite clear that Work is this consistent output of activity um, which we get, you know, which we get something back in return for, right? We, we, we work physically and we get this food that lasts, this temporary food, right? 
But Jesus is saying, don't work for that food, but work for a food that endures. So I begin to ask this question, what is the basis of this work? What is the basis of this activity that means I can position myself to receive this, this food that fills, this food that nourishes, this food that fully sustains the, the deepest and and. and yeah, the deepest places of who I am, right? And it's interesting because I was thinking this and then I carried on reading and I realized that they asked Jesus that very question. So I'll read it to you. They said, they said, so Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God, right? And Jesus says, truly this, listen, this is what the work of God is. The work of God is to believe in the one that he sent. The work of God, the work of God is to believe that Jesus is who he says that he is. That's the work of God. The hardest day's work that we'll do in the kingdom, the hardest day's work is actually coming into alignment with the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. When we, when we start to trust and, and believe and, and just to accept that Jesus is who he is, we start to see him for who he is. And when we see him for who he is, then we can receive the life that he offers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so good. Jesus says the work of God is training your mind to believe that I am who I say I am. And when you do that, you position yourself to receive a life source that that means wherever you are today, whatever situation you're facing, whatever trials are coming up against you, whether you're in isolation or whatever is happening, that there is a life source that that just runs so much deeper and and, and so unquenchable that is on offer, right? I've really found in my own life the times where I felt like, you know, the grace and, and the presence of God on me and, and you can call it anointing flowing through me have been the times that I felt connected to this life source. And it's been so many other times where my source and my input hasn't been that. It's been people. It's been the applause of people. It's been people's um, perceptions of me. And I've realized that in those moments... It's so easy to become inconsistent, to become powerless, to start using terminology, which is just crazy and not true and not true about the Bible and not true about who God is. And we start changing our our beliefs and changing our theology because we've stopped connecting our source to the right places. Right. Mm. I I love the way that um, that Paul writes in Philippians three. I want to read it to you. It's Philippians three. Um, I will read from verse 7. He says uh, in verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost. The Passion Translation says, for, you know, the things that I, the accomplishments that I once took credit for. You know, all the things that I've achieved according to people, all the places uh, I've given myself to find a sense of worth and identity, all the places I've gone to feel good and significant about myself, the applause, I now consider 
nothing incomparable when faced with the person Jesus. He continues in verse 8. He says, actually, what is more, I consider everything lost. Everything. Everything lost compared to this surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. The person that in John 6 actually calls himself life. He says, truly, I am the bread of life. I consider it all loss compared to knowing the person of life and being found in him. So amazing. You know, Paul, who had more reason than any person, more reason than any person to boast, more reason, says, confesses that I've considered all those accomplishments, all the, all the, the applause and, and the academia of people, to, I, I consider it nothing compared with this, this thing that I found, this thing of getting alone and knowing him, knowing the person. You know, when we see him for who he is, we're able to receive from who he is. And when we receive from who he is, we become like Christ. I'll say that again, that, that when we trust and we believe and we see Jesus for who he actually is, we position ourselves to be, to, to be able to receive from him, to receive from the bread of life. And the more that we feed and we receive from the bread of life, we actually become like Jesus. And we're able to become a people that love and are free and, and love people radically because we're free. I wonder if, Maria, you could share a bit more on that. Yeah, that's so good. Like, me and Tim both really have gone, gone on a journey with this kind of through the last, well, our whole lives as an identity journey with Jesus. But, yeah, really through the last year, going through that, um, that thing of actually, you know, what, what does it look like to be a people that finds our identity fully in Jesus and not in, in people? And I think, you know, I love Dan Muller. He's, um, he's an amazing preacher. He's, uh, he's the guy who mentored Todd White. And he, he talks about it and he says, you know, the way, the way to love people is to become free from them. And mm. the way to become free from people is to just fully be defined by Jesus. You know, everything you are is, is found in Jesus and it can't be found in people. Your value cannot be found in people. Um, mm. I love this this book my mum gave me when I was really young and it's um it's by Max Licardo who's an amazing author in, in other areas but he wrote this children's book called You Are Special um and it's it's just it's beautiful and, and I kept it in my top drawer and I kept going back to it just probably every year throughout my teenage years I just read it and I never quite understood why it hit me so much and you know in every area in every stage of my life you know when I was really walking powerfully with Jesus and where I was a bit more lukewarm you know it always hit me and and it's this book and it's about um a bunch of people called the Wemmicks and these little wooden people and they live in a village together and and um their society's based on you know stars and dots so when when someone's talented when they're pretty when they're intelligent you know, they deserve a star and someone, they have little boxes of, of dots and stars and they'll stick a star mm. on, you know, you're so, you're so talented, you deserve a star. Mm. Um, but if someone is, you know, says something stupid or, um, you know, isn't as smart, then they'd stick a dot on them. And um, Punchinello is the main character and he's, he's just filled with dots. Like he is, 
you know, he's the society's outcast. And, um, and he comes into contact one day with this girl called Lucia and he meets her and, and he realizes she doesn't have any stars or dots on her. And he says to her, he says, you know, how come you're the only one who hasn't got anything, like no stars, no dots on you? And she says, oh, it's easy. Every day I go and see Eli. And he's like, who? <laughs> and she says that, you know, Eli, the woodmaker. Um, and Punchinelli kind of walks away and and the next day he decides to go and see Eli because he's just, he's just had enough. And he goes up the hill to Eli's house and he knocks on the door and he walks in and he goes into to the workshop and he meets Eli. And, you know, he says, Lucia sent me here. Um, I wanted to come and find out how she has no stars or dots on her. Um, and Eli says, he says, uh, Punchinello, I've, I've been waiting for you. Um, he said, you know, the answer is that the, the stickers only stick if you let them. Mm. He says, you know, Lucia doesn't have any stars or dots on her because every day she comes to see me and every day she asks, asks me about who she is and I tell her and I made her, I made you, I made all of, all of the Wemex, I made yeah. you all um, and the only, the only opinion that really matters is what I say. And, you know, Punch and I was taking this in and and I love that, you know, Eli says, he says, you know, if you want to keep coming back, I'd love that. He says, you know, it's going to take some time because you've got a lot of dots on you. Mm. Uh, you've got a lot of dots. Um, but if you keep coming back, you're going to start to see them falling off. And, um, and Punch and Ali walks away and you know, he's going down the hill and he's like, and the, the story ends on him saying, you know, I really think he means that. And as he says that, a dot like pops off him. I just love that story because it, it just feels so true of how we live. It's, it's so true of how I've lived. Mm. You know, I think back to specific times in my life where I have just been, you know, it ripped by fear of what happens if someone puts a dot on me? What mm. happens if I say something stupid? What happens if, you know, if someone thinks this about me? And it's just so, it's so beautiful to... Yeah, just to be an illustration of how, mm. how we can live and how, and to be honest, a lot of the time we live like that as Christians and we have Jesus, but we're still not choosing to find our value in him. And I, I know I'm choosing sometimes to find my value in people. And it's just so hard sometimes to be like, no, Jesus, you're, you're my source. And, mm. you know, I love, I, love, um, I love what Tim was saying about Paul and, you know, because he would be the guy who had like all the stars on him. Mm. You know, he'd be, he'd be the, you know, he's the top of the Jewish hierarchy. And he's just saying it's all loss, like it's all loss. You know, it doesn't matter if you're the person with all the dots on you or if you're the person with all the stars on you, like it's all loss because it doesn't really matter. The only thing mm. that matters is Jesus. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just love it. And for me, it's kind of walking out that tension because I, you know, I, I, hear, I hear this and I'm like, this sounds so freeing. But you know, how does that look like in terms of we need people and we need community and you know, how, what's that, what does that look like to be defined mm. by Jesus and yet be in friendship and be living with people, be walking with people um, and letting them into our lives, being submitted to them. Mm. Because, you know, that's a tension that is quite hard to walk. And I love what Bill John said. I was watching a preach of him because I was kind of, I was like, Jesus, I want to I understand. I want to know more, um, not cognitively, but just in my heart. Like, 
how to walk that out, how to find myself in you. Mm. And um, Bill Johnson talks about it and he just says like, he's talking about fear of man and fear of God. And he, he just said, you know, God, Jesus is the steak. You know, if it's a meal, he said, Jesus is your steak. You, know, you can eat that meal and you'd be fully satiated. You'd be fully satisfied with eating that steak. Mm. Jesus is all you need. But he says people, because I mean, at Bethel, they're amazing. They've, they've got this incredible culture of honor. They like, if you go to Bethel, you've never been so affirmed in your life. Like, I know it's partially the American culture as well, but literally like they're, they're always affirming each other and honoring each other. And, uh, you know, and he says like that, that stuff, that's the spice. That's the mm. seasoning on top of the steak. So that, that's something that gives flavor and added value to your life. Mm. But you would still be satisfied if you just ate the steak. Mm. You know, the same thing with the bread of life, like Jesus is the bread of life because he, is alone, he alone is enough to satisfy you. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just love that. And it's kind of, that made so much sense to me because I'm like, where I want to be is I want to be able to walk into any room, into any situation and be like, I know who I am in Jesus. Yeah. You know, I walk into a conversation and so it might be a difficult one. I might feel insignificant in that moment of like, oh, but I'm like, I want to be rooted in who Jesus says I am. So it's, it's amazing if they affirm what Jesus has already said to me, but I can't, I can't have it taken away from, nothing mm. can take away from what Jesus has said. Mm. Um, so good. Yeah. It's amazing. So amazing, yeah. Um, the the, you know, in that story, John six, um, Jesus says towards the end of the chapter, he says, uh, I, "I truly I say to you that basically the things that you feed upon, you will become. The things that we feast upon, the things that we that we that we position ourselves to feed upon, we will become." If we feast upon, like Maria's saying, what God thinks about us, what, and, and we can know it in our heads, but when we see it in our hearts and we, and we spend time, not, not, you know, not fragments of time, but we spend portions of our time just feasting upon what he thinks about us, on who he is, on, on his goodness, on his, on his kindness. When we feast upon it, it, it becomes part of the fabric of who we are. And, and it says in Romans that the earth, it's like on the edge of its chair, the very creation is on the edge of its chair, waiting eagerly in anticipation, not, not for things to get done, not for, not for good preachers, but for people to find out, for sons and daughters to find out who they are. I think there's something significant yeah, that happens really when people get woken up to the reality of who they are, not in a, not in a small way, but in a large way, that mm -hmm. if we could truly see who we are and who he is, it would change everything. Um, but I, I, I know that saying that, there's so much process and journey that happens like Maria's sharing. And I, I've been a witness to this beautiful process that Maria's gone on of just learning how that, how that works. How do, we be, how do we be a people that, that die for each other and, and lay our lives down for people, yet we get all our identity, all our worth and all our significance fully met in God. I'm just wondering, Maria, if you can share a little bit about your process in that, the process mm -hmm. of, of that tension. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think for me, a lot of it has been self-awareness um, and not like not introspection, not... Um, 
you know, not looking inside of myself and figuring out like, oh, where, you know, where am I insecure? Where do I not fully find myself in Jesus? But just for me, like often when I'm around people, that's when, that's when I, I see in my, you know, I feel in myself and often it's just through a little hurt or an offense or a, you know, and I can feel it. And I'm like, it can just be a small thing sometimes, but, and what I've learned to do is to, is to go to go to Holy Spirit and just spend time in that place mm. and just, you know, I love in Psalm one three nine it talks about, um, you know, search me and know my heart, you know, test my anxious thoughts and like lead me in the way everlasting and that way is Jesus, and you know, to say Holy Spirit just show me why mm. that hurt because yeah. I, I do think you know people are working through stuff and we're, you know, we're all interacting and you know hurt hurt happens from both sides and. I do mm. feel for me at least, you know, when I, when I feel a bit hurt or offended, most of the time it's pointing to me, not to the other person. Most of the time it's not really to do with them. Mm. And it's actually to do with where I have chosen, I've been finding my value and it points to an area where I found my value in people mm. or I found my value in a situation. And instead of finding my value in Jesus and him giving me the security to enter that conversation in a way that mm. doesn't feel painful and doesn't feel, yeah. um, like they're you know they're rocking something inside of me which is often what it feels like and um yeah just to go i'm just learning to go into that place with with holy spirit and just say holy spirit you know mm. and you know process where i've, I've literally I've, I've gone into i've gone into meetings i've gone into situations where i'm like you know i've I felt insignificant or unseen or under, misunderstood um and to walk away from them and to come home and just just to cry like I am such a crier I cry so often I remember telling the youth that I cry like every other day <laughs> because I just think it's such a good way to like get stuff out you know mm -hmm. just I'm an emotional person um but I refuse now to let emotions lead me and I and I take those emotions to Jesus and I say Jesus you know mm. where you know I want to come into alignment with you so good and yeah, I've sat on my bed and I've cried and she said, Jesus, like, well, what's your truth? And he says, you're so significant to me. You're mm. so loved by me. You're so understood by me. Mm. And, you know, it, it doesn't sometimes, you know, on a cog like on a head level, it doesn't feel like that would be enough because you're like, but I feel so misunderstood by that personal. But so many times I've gone into that place and I've come out the other side and, you know, it's that, it's that peace that surpasses understanding. It's like Jesus has done something in me, mm. which you know, which allows me to walk into an, a situation so similar again. Yeah. And this time it doesn't rock me. Mm. And, you know, yes, I'm still in yes, the process, yeah. but it's so beautiful to see how much of a heart shift and a mind shift he can do mm. when you allow him into those deep places and say, yes. speak into those places of my heart yeah. and allow him to change you and show you who he is to you. Mm. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. So it's amazing. So, so, so what you're saying is that, you know, really the pain and the hurt and the offense that, that, we, that we have experienced, if we see it right, actually is the, is the invitation, mm. it's inviting us into a place of knowing more deeply who we really are, right? Yeah. So if, if, if we'll see it for what it really is, like pain in the body, go to the doctor, if we can see these things rightly, they will invite us deeper deeper as a people into the truth of who we were made to be. Um, it's just so good. I, 
would love it if we could pray for you wherever you are. So if you're in your living room, just connect hands with people um, and we're going to pray for you. So close your eyes. God, we thank you so much that you are the person of life. We thank you that you are the food that fills. We thank you that when we receive from you, when we get fed from you, there's life that wells up inside of us, that that endures, that, that sustains us when no one else has given us compliments, when there's no one else around, when we're in isolation, that you are the food that fills God. You're the life that fills. And we pray right now that in homes across um, Bath, in homes across the surrounding areas of Life Church Bath, that, that you would fill people with yes. you, your life, Jesus, the bread of life, the life that fills. And that as we get full of you, we would get free from the need uh, to, be a, to, to, to be appreciated, to be of people, right? That we, we get free of people so that we can actually love people well. We pray that this would be a, a time of freedom, God, a time of freedom across this church that, that I first, that me and Maria and all of us would become a people so free of people that we'd be able to love people so well. God, we thank you that you are the life giver and we pray that, that life would flow in this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you uh, this morning. We pray that, that this week um, that you would find time to get alone with God. And there's so much time. There's, there's so much time in this, in this space to, to get alone with God, to spend time feasting, um, to start to open your Bible and begin feasting on the red letters, the things that Jesus says to us and allow it just to begin to nourish you. Um, you might not feel anything at first. You might not have the buzz. I often don't. But just position yourself in this time to receive from God what he says about you, what he thinks about you. Um, Bless you. Um, It's so good to be here with you this morning and we want to encourage you to have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Amen.